I'm Stephen Aaron Deinhart IV. Welcome to the Giant Lands Podcast, hosted by Amusement Sparks, with your host, Andrew Spahn. Welcome to the Giant Lands Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and with me today is Jim Ward, one of the creative heads behind Giant Lands. It's his first time on the show. How are you doing today, Jim? Very fine, thank you for asking. Awesome. It's an honor to have you on the show, and, and as the audience presumably knows who you are because we've referenced you in previous episodes, um, but how might the world know who you are? Ooh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I've been a role-playing designer for 45 years. I designed the first science fiction game in Metamorphosis Alpha, and then I designed Gamma World, and then I worked for TSR for 20 years, and I designed <laughs> a couple other role-playing systems until we come to Giant Lands. Yes, exactly, and hopefully that can be a big part of your, your legacy as well, but you've already got such a rich history behind you, and you didn't even touch on a lot of the amazing things that you've done because there's so much to talk about you know it could be a whole episode just going over your resume i realize that's probably pretty tiring for you um but if it's okay i'd like to just kind of get some some insight and some wisdom out of you while i've got you here well, you're the master of ceremonies so <laughs> any way you want to do it that is actually a great phrase uh steven deinhardt and i were just talking about he said i'd like to put a credit um, somewhere, you know, on the website for you hosting the podcast, you know, what title should I put? And he suggested super podcast host, but maybe master of ceremonies is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty official. To me. It does. It sounds, it sounds regal. Um, and while being a podcast host is a pretty nerdy, uh, endeavor, you know, master of ceremonies sounds pretty cool. Uh, all right. So how did you first get involved with, Giant Lands. Do you remember the uh, the first spark of that? Sure. Stephen Deinhardt loved Gamma World, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a guy posted on the Gamma World Facebook site called Kim Eastland. He's unfortunately passed away just recently, but uh, he had written a lot of Gamma World um, adventures, and so uh, Stephen said, "Hey, would you like to help me with this project?" And Kim said, "The only way we'll do this project." is with James M. Ward helping us out. And so Stephen said, okay, I don't care. So he called <laughs> up, and we got started on it, and uh, Kim got too sick to do it, mm. so he had to drop away. But uh, we're going to dedicate the whole game to him, which I really like the idea of. Absolutely. He was a very talented man. He, he died way too early. And so we started working on the role-playing system, and Stephen had some amazing ideas for a apocalyptic fantasy role-playing game. Now, those two things have never been put together before in all the years of role-playing. There's never been an apocalyptic game and a fantasy game all rolled into one. And Stephen, of course, has added a gigantic new element. He wants to make <laughs> a theme park out of it. Right. Talk about gigantic. <laughs> I know. I find it tremendously exciting. Yeah, that that's so cool. And considering all of the different projects that you've worked on over the years, I love that you're, you know, still perceptive and open to trying something new. It's it's really cool. Well, and I love the fact that at 69 I still have a brain. 
Hey. Really appreciative. <laughs> That's awesome. And so for Giant Lands, you were largely have designed the rule system. Is that right? That is correct. Awesome. And so are you more of a rules person in role-playing games or more of like a story person? Or where do you tend to fall on that spectrum? That's a great question. Um, I, I learned the craft under Gary Gygax. And Gary was the ultimate storyteller. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the he he did rules, but he liked telling stories, and so that's what I've tried to do with all of my projects. I believe the storytelling is much more important than the rules showing. That's fantastic, and it does take both. You know, you can just do a totally freeform improv exercise that's purely story, but the rules really do make things more captivating and have give more weight to each decision because there's going to be. Uh, consequences and the world feels more real because there's laws to the way things work. The world of Giant Lands, like you said, is a pretty unique thing, being that it's post-apocalyptic and science fiction. What else do you like about the world of Giant Lands? Well, that's another very good question. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah, I know. We have <laughs> there's a combination of Greek mythology with our science fiction. So. Gaia, the goddess of all things nature, has become irritated at man's pollution of the earth. So she wakes up, she doesn't like what she sees, so she destroys man's civilization. She brings back the giants, she brings back the titans, she brings back monsters from legends, and you have to survive in that world. And there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of humans left. So you can be a human, but normally you're going to be a different kind of character. Right, and and you have led a few uh, role-playing sessions within this world, right? What was your experience with that? Oh, it worked out really good. I We did an adventure called Squirrel Tower, where a druid-like person receives a gift from her father and finds out about this tower called Squirrel. It's shaped as a squirrel. And <laughs> she wants to take a group to find it in the woods. And so that's what the adventure is all about, finding it and then getting into the tower. The only problem is when you play with the front door, you get turned into a nine-foot-tall squirrel. <laughs> like that's a trap, right? But it it transforms you. Exactly right. If you figure <laughs> out the puzzle of the front door, you aren't worthy enough to get inside the tower. Wow, that's great. And luckily in most role-playing games, you have a party of people so, you know, the first one through the door is the one who gets shot, and then everyone else can try to figure out, how do we not do what just happened to that guy? Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, the last time we playtested, all nine players got turned into squirrel. <laughs> and once you're a squirrel, can you still control yourself? Like, can oh, you still no, have... of course not. No, you just, you just hang out in the woods and wait for the door open. So I'm a total party squirrel. <laughs> Oh, that sounds awesome. And I do think that this this game seems like it's such a cool and interesting, nuanced and textured canvas to start your playing sessions in, where you never know what's around the corner. It just, it seems so cool. And of course, things like Dungeons & Dragons are absolutely like that as well. But for someone like myself, who's played Dungeons & Dragons for my whole life, basically, I'm excited about this new mashup of genres. Like you said, it's relatively unique you know post-apocalyptic sci-fi um so i'm just i'm so excited about this game and seeing what impact it can have on you know 
the world at large, gamers and etc. Um, but in reference to that, you you worked at TSR for a long time, and before that, you had started your own role playing game. Is that right, Metamorphosis Alpha? Yeah. Before I joined TSR to work full time, I mm-hmm. did Metamorphosis Alpha, and I did uh, Gods, Demigods, and Heroes, and I did Deities and Demigods. What first got you into role playing games? How how did you, as a, a young man, get into it? No, nah, it's an interesting little story. Good. I'm excited. The time is 1974, and it's June. I just graduated from college with an education degree. And every Tuesday, I would go to the Lake Geneva bookstore, and I'd buy books because that's when they got in the new fantasy and science fiction titles. Mm. So one Tuesday, I was there buying things like Conan and Faffer and the Gray Mouser by Fritz Leiber, um, Andrea Norton books. And as I went down the row, I had seven books in my hand. And I looked to my side, and there was this biker dude. He had a blue jean jacket. He had ripped blue jeans. He had boots. He had one of those wallets with the great big chain on it in the pocket. Oh, man. <laughs> so he was a biker dude, but he had the exact seven books in his hand that I had. Wow. I know. So we started talking about um, reading and the stories that we liked the best, and this was Gary Gygax, and Gary said that he had a game where I could play Conan the Barbarian and fight Seth. <laughs> I was hooked like a fish. Oh, my goodness. Two weeks later, I was at his house playing Dungeons and Dragons on his porch, and I haven't looked back since. How amazing is that, that you were one of the you know first people to play this game that is an absolute worldwide phenomenon? Yeah, I was very lucky. Very lucky. That's- Right, in the right place at the right time, right? If you hadn't been in Lake Geneva, you know, that summer, you might have missed the boat completely. It's it's yeah. pretty amazing. Yes, it is. Wow, that is so cool. So after this meeting and after you played some games, you, I'm assuming, started to kind of share some of your creative side a little bit, and then you started working on these projects? Well, that's kind of interesting, too. I played for, I've been playing for about two months, D&D. Just loved the heck out of it. Mm-hmm said, Gary, you really need to do a science fiction version of this game. And Gary looked at me and he said, you know, Jim, I haven't got time to do that right now, but are you interested in giving it a try? (laughs) My eyes got wide. I couldn't believe what I was hearing because he had no idea if I could write rules or not. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, yeah, I, I gave it a try, and Metamorphosis was the result. Wow. That's amazing. And did you start with a story in mind or with the rules? Like, uh, what was the first building block that you put to put sure. down on paper? I was reading lots of science fiction in those days, and I read a book called Starship by Brian Aldiss. Hmm. It was about a colonization starship that went wrong out in space. And so some of the some of the ideas in that book I put in Metamorphosis Alpha because Metamorphosis Alpha is a colonization starship that went through an unknown radiation cloud and killed all the crew and colonists off. And it mutated the creatures on the ship because this was a colonization starship. It had plants and animals that they planned on putting on a new world. And they all mutated into intelligent creatures. So basically you play one of the characters, one of the mutants on the ship, and you have to survive 
the ship is way off course. It's been off course for 300 years. Whoa. You have to try to get the ship back on course. But first, you have to discover that it's a ship. You think it's a planet. Wow. So that is a really amazing idea. And so this largely came from that book, Starship? Yes, it did. That is so cool. And so then you you kind of took inspiration from this, and that's where the genre and the basic core pieces of the story came from. Um, And then did you just start kind of adding the Dungeons & Dragons rule system into this world? Well, I tried very hard not to add D&D rules because I I was aware of trademarks in those days, and I wanted it to be my own game. So instead of using, you know, polydice, eight-siders and 12-siders, I just used three six-siders for most everything. And I was really a big comic book fan. So one of the things I really loved in comic books was Superman's different colored kryptonites. And so I made mutations just like Superman's um, kryptonites that, that changed the body and the mind. And so that turned into quite the fun thing to make characters for the game using those mutations. In most role-playing games, you design your own character kind of from scratch you're in control of their past as the player and then it's from you know the present into the future is more on the group and the game master whereas it sounds like with this system there's more um sculpting the character that happens through the game right with those mutations it's much more um a knowledge-based game you don't increase the levels like you do in D. how you gain more power is more knowledge and equipment that you get off of the ship very cool did Gary play this game and and give his blessing to it? You know, that's a fun thing, too. <laughs> Gary, when he did his D&D, he had to referee all the time. But he loved playing. And so after a while, he started making characters for Metamorphosis Alpha. And uh, and I got a teaching job at Prairie Machine. And I would come home for, like, Thanksgiving and the holidays and I would go over to Gary's house, and Gary would play a character in my MA game. Yeah, that was great fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you went on to work at TSR for 20 more years. What was that like? I realize that's decades of, of life to explain in a brief format, but what are some of your key takeaways from your time at TSR? Well, you know, Gary, Gary created a very interesting business environment you know, he loved gaming, so he gamed a lot, and uh, he encouraged all the employees to game. And we really were riding a big wave. You know, TSR was the big dog there for years and years and years because we had AD&D, and we, and we made it into Dragonlance. We made it into Ravenloft. And so the company was gigantically successful for a long, long time. And, uh, in fact, it was... It wasn't until Magic the Gathering came out that we lost a ton of consumers. Um, in hindsight, the, one of the few things that I did wrong was I didn't um, make a product for 8, 9, and 10-year-olds. Our research revealed that the, the role player was really 11 years and older. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we, we aimed our products at. And, and that's where we, we wrote our adventures for. But, but Magic the Gathering immediately grabbed the 8, 9, and 10-year-olds and, uh, and was off like a shot. And so that's where TSR really missed out. 
Wow, interesting. And I'm also curious, you have a background in education. I am a former teacher myself. Um, how did that influence your game design career? Well, you know, it, it definitely gave me a, a step-by-step approach. I, I didn't take leaps of faith. I actually made sure that in, in my game design, we go from step one to step two to step three so that we aren't skipping chunks that, that confuse the new player. Um, so when I did Giant Lands, we made the assumption you don't know how to role play. And so from that assumption, we talked about character building and we talked about world building. We talked about the job of the referee and the job of the players so that everybody has a good basis for, for playing the game. And I tell you, just the thought of having that theme park so you play the game for a couple of years, you get an eighth or ninth level character, and you take your eighth and ninth level character, and you go to the theme park and actually play that character in the theme park. I think it's such a gigantic idea. Yeah, it's such a cool idea. And so I also host a, a podcast where we design theme parks, and they're they're next generation, totally hypothetical. So you know, you can, if you can dream it, we can do it, so to speak, because it's just based on this conversation. It's purely imaginative. And a lot of the stuff we've come up with through that experiment and that process has been things like what Giant Lance is actually going to do. It's so cool to give the park guest or, you know, the guest of a Giant Lands a way of building their own character, just like you do in a role-playing game, and then inhabiting that character. Like, that is something bigger than any existing theme park based on an existing franchise can do because you don't get to create your own character in those franchises. It's even bigger than that. Steven has introduced a cosplay element. So you're supposed to make a costume for your character and you're supposed to bring that costume to the park so that everybody knows what kind of character you are. I love that. And the the mask elements are so cool and it, it adds so much of an art direction to to the world. Yes, exactly right. Thank you so much for your time, Jim. This has been a, a ton of fun. Good, I'm glad. Truly my pleasure. Thank you for setting this up. Sure. Check out giantlands.com and giantlands on social media. There will be links in the episode description of this podcast. Together, I hope we can find new places within the imagination where we can grow and expand our understanding of what it means to be human.